0: Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help growing companies, especially manufacturers, improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me today from Chicago is Mia Smithson. Mia is the founder and CEO of the 30K program. During the last seven years, Mia has scaled her career from a junior recruiter to the Director of Talent Management. She has interviewed over 5,000 candidates and has placed hundreds at companies like VML, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Google. Now, as their name might suggest, Mia's team helps women earn $30,000 plus in additional yearly income. Welcome, Mia.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here as well, as we've had a chance to talk prior when we we're scheduling this podcast, I asked if you were to summarize almost into a phrase what that phrase would be, is you said, Mike, it's your observation is that women tend to undervalue themselves. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So one of the biggest themes that I've noticed is that a man and a woman will be interviewing for the same role. And a comparable experience and the man will ask for say 140k and the woman will ask for say 120k and then immediately she'll pull back that number and she'll say no i'd be okay with, with that woman. right and it's this immediate degradation of her business worth, and it's also really fascinating because typically during that negotiation there's a pause right after you say the number right and the men oftentimes are comfortable in the silence. And it's the women who are like, oh my gosh, what are they gonna say? Ah! And then they're like, hold on, I just want you to know, like, I can go lower. It's not a big deal. And it's this like, and I've heard this literally hundreds of times. And so, I mean, I've obviously it's really key is why I've created the 30K program is to uh, to help women to negotiate, right? And to feel confident doing so sound
0: now as you know we're recording both audio and video and so the very beginning we start talking you're talking so soft and I wanted to kind of turn up your volume and then all of a sudden you got so animated but you got animated because this is something that speaks to you this has kind of become a passion it's such a passion that you've actually have started a business to help women address this issue I didn't tell you this upfront, but can I tell you one reason why I was most interested in speaking with you? Please do. you know, when I see the 30K program, it doesn't take much thought to understand, oh, okay, she helps women kind of get what they're worth. And that is part of what you do. And my understanding is that your program not only helps women get a higher paying job, but you also have a track for women who want to start their own business. And that particularly caught my attention. And that is how do you go about starting and scaling a profitable business? If you're a woman and the third track that you offer, if I understand this correctly, is what about people, perhaps like yourself who has a very successful corporate role, but you also have an additional business and that way you help train women on how to do both. I think you call it for one who, who wants it all, get the raise and start and scale a profitable business. Do I understand your offerings correctly?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, so what is really fascinating is that, you know we all have these core skills and strengths that oftentimes remain hidden unless you take proactive steps to really share them with the world. And so with our track, like the one who wants it all, right? They want the promotion and they also want to start a business. That is really that opportunity where we essentially take those key skills that they've developed and we work with them um, to develop a business around it. So we do both one-on-one as well as group coaching within the program. So you actually have that coach um, to really deep dive in and figure out like, what are the types of businesses that that would work for you? And I will say that like, there are some businesses that year one are really hard to be profitable, right? So if you wanted to start like a CPG business or consumer packaged goods business, there's inventory costs, there's a lot up front, right? And so one of the steps that we take with our women is really vetting out, I mean, do you want this to be profitable in year one, which is really what we focus on? Um, and if so, what are the types of businesses that will allow you to do that, right? Because it isn't every business. Um, so that is just something to be cautious of.
0: So why don't we kind of break down our conversation into two main tracks. Let's start with the traditional corporate track. And that is um, a, a woman um, who wants to, earn what she is worth and or get promoted and get paid what she's worth. And in terms of kind of how you and your team helps them, can you kind of walk us through what does that process look like?
1: Yeah, definitely. So the first step is where the person really does architect kind of what that career vision is, what they want to get promoted into. Um, And one thing that is interesting is that there are actually some women who don't necessarily even wanna get promoted directly to like that next role within say the career track that they're naturally in within their company, but there could be a role elsewhere in the company that could actually be a really great potential fit um, and where there are those transferable skills where they could still get, you know, a pay raise and additional responsibilities they're utilizing the skills that they've already developed. So we really try not to have like a linear focus where it's like, well, if you're a mid-level sales rep, we'll help you to get to a senior level sales rep, right? Like that's obviously one option, but there's more more to that, right? So the first step is like the fun, kind of the architect the visionary phase, where you really get to iron it out. And then after that, we get very granular with the actual, um, you know, if it is, purely a promotion than it is really tying in your, um, your manager from the get-go like about a year in advance and like architecting what are the core metrics that you will achieve in order to um, like get a promotion per se um, and then, uh, you know, taking the, the corresponding steps that you guys have outlined in order to to make that happen
0: now you've just pointed out something that i failed to mention up front and that is this approach is a very specific it's a method it's a method that has been fine-tuned over time but it takes time and you kind of break down if i understand correctly this process you use the word quarterly but in quarterly chunks here are the things that your team works with your clients on to achieve a certain outcome. And I'm so glad you pointed out something. And that is, when I describe a promotion, in my mind's eye, I was thinking more linearly going straight up to the next next role. And that may very well be what, what she would want. But there could very well be a job that would really use her skill sets in some other capacity. And I think what I'm hearing, you use the word architect. You help them develop kind of a roadmap on how to get to that point over time. May I ask, in your experience, what about that, that process early on presents the biggest challenges to women?
1: it's a great question. So I would say first is a lack of clarity in what they want right? Having the long-term vision and then being able to break it up into the baby steps to actually make that a reality. And I would say the second part of it is a lack of belief in themselves, mm. right? Because no one's really going to be confident in you unless you're confident in you. Yes. Like if you say, <laughs> if you say something and you don't have like that authority and you don't have that energy, no one's gonna take you seriously. And so I'd say that that is the other element is where, you know, women are just kind of like, almost like subservient. They're not aggressively actually pursuing what they want in their lives. And they're kind of like scared to do it, right? And so that is one of the things that we definitely do uh, work with our women on is just building the confidence around, you know, who they are and really empowering them to, you um, yeah. To be the best versions of themselves, especially within their careers. <laughs> so.
0: Yes. Now, my understanding is you use a combination of approaches there. You work, um, you and your team work one on one with clients. You work with groups. And then my understanding is folks who go through your program um, have the opportunity to be part of a community of others. Can you tell us a little more about what does a community mean to to clients. And I hate to generalize with these comments about women in general, but why is community particularly important to women who want to earn what they feel that they're entitled to earn?
1: Yeah. So it's that phrase, right? Your network is your net worth. And I do really think that that is true. And so the community aspect, I mean, we have like our active Facebook group, we have weekly group calls. And what's really cool about it is that you're actually in a group with all people who are in your path. So say you want to, you're the one who wants it all, right? you want to start the business and then you also um, want to get promoted. Wouldn't really make sense for you to be in the same, like the same group as someone who just wants to get a new job outside of their company, right? And so we do, it is super tailored. Um, And one really large benefit um especially those who do want to start a business is that oftentimes when you start a business you have no reviews right like nobody knows about you um you know if you develop any sort of like a minimal viable product you want to have people who um are able to test it out and see what it's like and everything and so having a group of women who can you know be there they can actually test out you know the initial creations those initial iterations give you feedback um we it's interesting we've had some women actually start coaching businesses and um, they've done kind of like free coaching calls with women in the group just to kind of like gain practice gain experience um, and that way before they actually start like selling their services they are able to actually see, you know, results with the the women within our own network that they've been able to help, right? So it's just really cool because um, you're just surrounded by like a family of women and you don't feel alone. Like oftentimes I feel like for entrepreneurs, you know, you can just kind of spend hours like alone, working late into the night. And we really wanna move away from that to where we have this, like culture of, um, yeah, of collaboration, and we are able to go further uh, together, so.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you clarify because when I talk about community, I probably stop short of what you just described. I would say, you know, you're there to support each other. Well, if this community is built of not only like-minded folks, but also who are doing the exact same thing, they're, they're building um, their own enterprise, and starting a business uh, people oftentimes have a great idea but take that idea and turn it into a business that's viable it's a total different animal and you're kind of creating almost an incubator with the people in the program that so they can use that i think it's a great idea
1: thanks <laughs>
0: you know we very quickly have moved from corporate to the entrepreneur, I'm drawn to the entrepreneurial side of this conversation. And maybe I should go ahead and follow this up. Women who want to start their own business. You said that in the corporate world, one of the biggest barriers early on is a sense of self-confidence. What about a, a entrepreneurially minded woman? What are you finding, particularly early on the process, that they struggle with most?
1: Yeah, 100% is fear of failure. Like, it's interesting. I noticed, so corporate America, it's the lack of confidence. It's imposter syndrome that I see a lot of times. But when you're starting something and when you're testing and creating, like, a minimal viable product or whatever, whatever it is um, that you're pursuing entrepreneurially, like, there's, there's so much failure in entrepreneurship. And it's how you have these iterations and how you're able to quickly shift gears and, you know, tweak and, like, I know when I first started coaching, I called it dream you. Right. And I did like general life coaching and business coaching. And it was like, if you, you know, need any help, like I can help you. Right. And it was like not pinpointed at all. It was not specific. I just, I didn't even have a website. When I sent my first client, I literally made $1,500 like that first weekend. And I had, literally i did not even have a website so i do not know what i was doing right and i was just like failing left or right i was like we're just we're just you know working through this and so um that's really like how we do support our women is knowing that failure is feedback right it's simply a data point and you don't have to get emotionally involved in failure and actually the more quickly that you can notice failure and be like oh that's you know interesting that didn't work why didn't it work and how can we learn and how can we improve because of that the more quickly you're able to just grow it's really when you get stuck on it and when you start to tangle your personal with your business work that you run into issues right when all of a sudden you I don't know um from a coaching perspective right if you have uh, 10 consult calls in a row and say you didn't sign any clients, it would be very easy to say, well, something is wrong with me, right? Mm -hmm. As a person, like I'm the problem instead of like something that I'm doing is an issue or like, you know, maybe it's how I'm connecting with, um, the potential clients and you know what I'm saying? It's the untangling of that personal and of the business work. So it's interesting. I feel like everything. Is kind of interconnected right it kind of starts with the fear of failure and then as you get deeper into it you realize that it's kind of interconnected to other kind of core themes that we really go through in the program so you
0: know in your literature you kind of elaborate on the aspects of starting the business if failure of failure uh is very very common among uh entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs as that process of starting a business kind of gets underway you are trying to give your clients a sense of how you could turn this may be a full-time enterprise this could be a side hustle if i could use that term Um, but you're really trying to give them a a a path to success and if they're able to overcome that fear of failure. The the process that you share with them, what do you find? um, When does things really begin to kind of get some sense of traction?
1: Yeah, so we actually, when a woman first starts our program, we mail them, call it the failure jar, which it sounds very weird on the surface, but it is literally like a glass mason jar. And we send like a bag of coffee beans, right? And it's like cute. It's very, it's branded and everything, and it's, it looks adorable. Um, but <laughs> essentially, every time they fail, they put in a coffee bean, and then they get to determine what a reward is when they hit certain levels, right? So when they have like, you know, 25 fails, then they go get a massage or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they have, they basically positively reinforce failure so that it becomes less scary and actually becomes something that is desirable because the more that you're failing and quickly iterating, the more that you're able to actually grow. And so I would say that that has been really a cornerstone. And that idea came from Sarah Blakely, who, uh, yeah, one of the things her dad would always say to her at the dinner table was, what did you fail at today? And if she didn't have a story, he would be like well you're obviously not trying hard enough or you'd have more failures right and so like you know she's obviously doing pretty well as one of the youngest female billionaires in you know america if not the world so you we can, we can learn some things from her <laughs>
0: well we can learn a lot from her and i, I love the the visual of dropping a bean and you made an interesting point and that is particularly when you're starting a business you know you you're going to fail at things but because you fail at things does not mean that you are a failure yeah and i love the way that you've kind of tried to through this approach to kind of destigmatize failure that it's it goes with the territory but if you have more beans in the jar that means you're trying that much harder and you're putting more into it i love that as a as a good um good illustration perfect we've talked a little bit about the corporate world we've talked a little bit about the entrepreneurial world and we've talked about the potential fusion of the two why don't we go back a little bit to um something that we kind of started the conversation and that is This is when you start talking real quietly and you said that you find that when men are asked to state a salary expectation they'll they'll quote a number but women will quote a number and almost immediately qualify that or almost um tell me a little more about why why you think that is the case why why do women tend to do that
1: well first the strongest negotiators don't put the number first, right? So as I'm sure you know, within recruiting, there's this thing called reversing, which is where someone asks you a question and instead of answering it, you reverse it and you ask them a question. So the people from what I've seen, oftentimes they're men who end up negotiating for the highest salaries. They all ask them, well, what is this, you know, the salary range that you're targeting? And they'll reverse it and they'll say well you know i'm curious what is the salary range for the role right and <laughs> um you would be shocked the number of recruiters that will tell you what that salary range is um, and i'll actually give you just a really quick example um so my Please. sister is also a recruiter and she did this reversing technique um, with the company she's actually currently with, and um, the amount, the number that she had in her head was actually much lower than the amount that they ended up offering. And the reason why she got the higher amount was because she literally reversed it. They said, "What was the salary range that you're targeting?" She reversed it. They said that number, and they were like, "Well, is this something that you, you know, would be comfortable with?" And she was like, "Well." You know, it's a little bit low, but I couldn't be able to make it work. <laughs> and so she literally got it. It was a, it was a you know, substantial amount larger than um, she was ever anticipating because she didn't you know, say that number first. Um, if you read a lot of negotiation books, they call it spilling the candy. When you're like, this is this is what I'm looking for, blah, 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 and you just like spread it out, right? You really wanna kind of like keep your cards closer to the vest and like find out as much information first. And I think kind of back to the the main crux of the question, I, I don't think women first off have like the knowledge base to know that like there are techniques like reversing that can be really valuable. And I also think that women are really scared of rejection. They're scared of being told that what they want is too high. So I think that's part of it. And then also they're scared of the silence. Right. So if there's any silence after they say the number, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm just going to take back that number, right? And you have to be willing to just sit with it. And it's always that, like awkward because you're like, I have no idea what the person will say. <laughs> you just have to sit there. Um, but it's a skill, right? It's like anything and the more that you do it, the more you become comfortable with it and the more success that you have. And I will say like, we work with our women, we don't just have them, you know, prepare for their negotiation with like job, I don't know, like pretend negotiations with their friends. Like we actually have them negotiate for things within their life, right? So that by the time, that they actually are you know, negotiating for a raise um, or negotiating the salary of a new uh, role, they're very, very confident. Like well, will literally there's some of the things that we'll do, <laughs> we'll ask them to like, okay, go to a Starbucks and ask if you could have a free coffee, right, mm. and just negotiate, see if you could, right? And like, or, you know, the things that you don't normally negotiate for, say you're like getting a massage or something, and they always charge, I don't know, like uh, $70 for like a full hour going in there and saying, you know, I would love to get a massage or even just calling and say, I'd love to get a massage. Um, I do know that there are, you know like places that are offering more affordable massages is there something that we could work out you know i'd be comfortable with xyz amount and obviously that would need to be true but you know if the massage place that you want to go to has the best reviews you you would just be shocked at like the amount of money that is like sitting there available and most people are just like too afraid to ask and so i think it's just about developing that skill set um through negotiating more in your daily life. And then it becomes like a game. Like I love negotiating. I'm not kidding you. I find so much enjoyment out of it. And like, I do think that you can create some amazing win-win situations within negotiating if you really are thinking like, what is a solution that we can create that benefits, you know, the person on the other end as well as me, right? And also, as long as you're thinking through your BATNA, which is your best alternative to, to a negotiation agreement, right? Um, which is essentially like your backup plan. You need to always have kind of a backup plan that is like really pretty great and developing that. So I know there's like a lot, a lot there, but.
0: <laughs> well, there is, but there's some recurring themes here, all right? Yeah. You've already shared your jar with the coffee beans. And you said that sometimes you challenge them when those coffee beans get to a certain level, then go reward yourself with a massage. But no sooner are they about to reward themselves with a massage, you're going to challenge them to go negotiate the price of that massage. So I love the, I think the term is recursiveness in all of that. It, it does fit together. Um, and through repetition, you are getting um uh, it, it's just a number of reps and the more you do it, the more comfortable you may be, the more skilled you will be um, with it. You know, Mio, as you reflect on what you do and who you encounter, can you share an example where perhaps you or a client got stuck and what did it take to get unstuck?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. So. This is something that happened to a client. It was about a year ago. And by the time that this person came to me, they thought their situation was hopeless. They Mm had applied to all of these companies and they weren't gaining any traction. And they were thinking that something was wrong with them, which obviously, you know, (laughs) was not true, um, and so one of the things that we did was we like looked at this person's resume because they're really wanting to get, you know, a job that they were super passionate about and that they could earn that salary amount that they were targeting, right? And so what we did was we created um, so we actually do this within the program. It's called the, the Dream 25. Um, and so you literally pick out 25 different companies. And you know, you start it with just a couple, right? So we'll start with like three and you look at these companies, make sure that, um, you know, the company itself has what you're desiring, right? From a culture perspective, maybe bookstore reviews, whatever's important to you. And then from a job perspective, you find that ideal job and you literally look at the job description and then you look at your resume and you go down line by line at the job description and you say, what have I done? Uh, that is on this job description and then you make this synergy happen, right? Where your resume is like, this, like beautification that has a lot of the keywords from the actual um, job description. And I will say that there's a lot of companies that are really utilizing technology that'll scan a resume and pick out those keywords, right? And so that is also a way that you can get to the top. Um, and so that's one of the things that we did um with this woman which was really really effective and so it was cool like the dream 25 like we didn't have to get to the full you know 25 places to apply to I think it was like right around number 10 that um she landed that role and it was because her resume was so um so tailored to the job description had everything that she was looking for and I will say that like what each person's kind of like stopgap is is different because like for her when she got in the door she was able to confidently handle um the interview the negotiation like that part wasn't challenging for her she just wasn't getting in the door Mm. so like it's truly it, it like It's about, I feel sometimes like a doctor, my whole family's doctor, so I also like thinking about medical terms. because you're like constantly pinpointing like, okay, where is this person struggling, and it is so different, right? But for her, really just getting her resume looking fantastic and having it be really tailored to the role is just hugely valuable.
0: You know, that's a great example. Um, You know, we named this podcast Get Unstuck and On Target, and I have been so surprised by the variety of stories I'm hearing from our guest here's what I like about what you to share is that this is a very capable person who if if you could just get her beyond the sticking point in this case getting in to an organization that's a good fit for a position that would utilize her skills that if you could help point her or point herself in the right direction right company right opportunity. She had the self-confidence to take it from there. And just doing that, what could have required 25 only required 10. And she found what she's looking for. So I love that as an example. You know, Mia, you could have spoken on a huge variety of potential topics because of the role that you play and the company that you've founded. But as you kind of reflect on our conversation, What do you want the listeners to have as takeaways?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say reflect on what you really want in your life and create a strategic action plan of how you'll get there. And also, when you're doing that, Think through what are the potential pitfalls that you're running into, right, along the way and come up with the if-thens, right? If this happens, then I'll do this. If this happens, then I'll do that, right? So that you're really prepared because, you know, as with all three of the paths in our program, there are, you know, roadblocks that you have to overcome. And the more that you are anticipating the potential roadblocks and actually planning ahead and saying like, okay you know i know that like after this next step there will be you know this step. will make you know in the job interview example you know they'll send me um they'll send me like all the job offer information like is it still okay for me to negotiate for more even If it didn't have everything I was targeting, like really thinking through, like what are all of those potential obstacles and solving them in in advance, I've just found to work like really, really well. And then it also gives you more confidence because you know that there are going to be problems and you also know that you are confident and you are capable and you're prepared in overcoming those problems.
0: Mia, you're clearly very knowledgeable on this topic. You also very clearly have a passion for this topic, and I'm confident there's folks listening now who want to learn more. What's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, so go to the30kprogram.com, and we do have a salary negotiation ebook that walks you through. How to negotiate for a raise, or if you're getting a new job, how to negotiate for that salary amount, and everything's listed out on there. Like we spent a lot of time on it, so enjoy. And it's also really aesthetically appealing. We had a designer like work on it; gorgeous. So,
0: <laughs> I love this. It's not only good stuff; it looks good too. I mean, it, it's
1: amazing, right? Otherwise, like, who wants to look at something that looks disgusting? Not me, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mia, this has been a lot of fun thank you so much
1: yeah thank you it's been a delight
0: (laughs) i also want to thank our listeners for joining us today we upload the latest episode every thursday to all the major platforms including apple and spotify so if you've enjoyed this episode with mia please subscribe are you trying to grow your business and you want to make sure you've got the right people processes and planning systems in place to grow smoothly If yes, let's talk. Head over to unstuck.show and schedule a quick non-sales call with me. We'll talk about your growth goals, and I'll offer you some practical, actionable advice to help you grow your business. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some tips from Mia that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.